You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Babylon 5 ended a great war and united a hundred alien races in peace. Danger didn't die. It just went underground with new heroes and new evils to carry the torch. We need to make sure they all understand we will not be intimidated. What is wrong with you people? We have to set him against himself. It's an entire new season of Babylon 5 with all new episodes. And so begins. There is a hole in your mind. What do you want? No one here. It's exactly what he appears. Nothing's the same anymore. Commander Sinclair is being reassigned. Why don't you eliminate the entire non-home race? Oh, why don't we Reaching out of the stuff. Who are you? President Clark has signed a decree today declaring martial law. These orders have forced us to declare independence. That's why people get off their encounter-suited butts and do something. You are the one who wants to Zahadu who will die. Why are you here? Do you have anything worth living for? Think of my beautiful city. Giants in the playground. Get the hell out of our galaxy! We are here to place President Clark under arrest. Turn around. Very, very slowly. Hello, Mr. Garibaldi. Good to see you again. I was wondering how you were doing. Whether written, called. Shut up. Obviously haven't improved your manners. And welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week, we review an episode of the 1990s sci fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, season 5, episode 4, Babylon 5, Lower Decks. Sorry, a view from the gallery. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And, and we are, are the Epsilon 3. And the synopsis, as Babylon 5 comes under attack by an alien race, ordinary maintenance workers Mac and Bo work to keep the station running. Written by Harlan Ellison and JMS and directed by Janet Greek, this... Ooh, ooh, wait a minute. That was written by somebody else as well as JMS. For the first time in about four or five seasons, or four seasons at least, he has a co-writer. Wow. Wow. And directed by the fabulous Janet Greek. Um, this episode was released on February the 11th, 1998, and takes place from February the 12th to February the 13th, 2262. And our guest stars Raymond O'Connor as Mac and Lawrence LeJohn as Bo. So, guys, what do we think of this episode? You know, I really liked it. It's probably the best episode of the season so far. Um, it, it, it throws you right into the action. And normally we're there with the command crew. But this time we don't know what the hell's going on. It's just we're, we're part of the, uh, the lower decks, like you said. And we get to see the day in the life of these two guys. And uh, they interact with all the, uh, the major players. But it's from a different perspective. So this was kind of fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Dan, what did you think? I love the Lower Decks episode in Star Trek. Uh, I'm a big fan. I've seen it a 
dozen times now, uh, the play Rosencrantz and Girldestina Dead, which is where you take the two characters from Hamlet, who Hamlet, um, you know, falsely accused of something. So they end up getting killed on his behalf so that he can then get back to Denmark and enact his revenge. Uh, but it's a play of those two characters. And you have all the main characters from uh, Hamlet sort of coming in and they sort of play into the story. It's a wonderful play. If you've never seen it before, it's fantastic. And just this is just it. You know, these two characters who are walking in as the main characters are getting on with the story. It, I kind of wish we'd had the episode for real and then we just flash back and then this episode was happening and then we kind of appreciate more of what's going on. Um, but yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, the the jokes are a little bit on the nose for me, you know, when they're talking about the the thing that cleans the floor and it's like, what does it yeah. actually do? That, that was it's a like, great word. <laughs> It's a bit too meta for me. I think I, that kind of took me out the episode a couple of times. It's like, wouldn't they know? I mean, surely they know what their <laughs> yeah. tools do. Uh, but, I mean, it's all good fun. And the fact that, you know, he's standing there with a cockroach that was eating all the things and he just fixes it in time so that it actually allows the guns to work. All, all good fun. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I think, yeah, I'm with Sean on this. It's the best episode so far. Yeah, I'm with you guys on it. It's really good. It is very much... Um... You know, lower decks stuff like and they happen to be there when all the major stuff happens and so you get to see this the whole story unfold from but from their perspective and i think it's great and i do like the the part where um which we'll talk about obviously in the, in, in the review but the and the, um, the where franklin is is trying to get something working and um obviously uh, bo comes in and sorts it out and then he has that thing of saying about why are we repairing this for the aliens what you know why aren't we doing this for us and then he tells the story about his dad i thought that was a, a really good part where he takes it on board and says well right okay yeah i get that now so yeah i thought it was a really really good episode so let's get into the review captain lockley is woken from her deep sleep by an incoming message a probe has been destroyed but nothing could be seen on the long range scanners there's a hostile alien force scouting out the, se the sector for likely planets to invade. Babylon's fi Babylon 5's task is to con convince them that they are neither soft nor vulnerable, and to make sure they leave the sector. The Starfury fleet is scrambled, as a couple of maintenance technicians are repairing part of the station and moaning about the fact that nobody ever realises what they do. Well, I think that's about to change. Lockley is trying to convince Sheridan that he needs to leave Babylon 5 for safety. And of course, he doesn't want to. Mac and Bo have a lot of respect for Sheridan, as he is one of the guys who has worked in the trenches. Bo recalls a time when he was working in Grey Sector and Sheridan came through chasing a guy who had stabbed uh, Delenn. You hear that, Bo? Yeah. That's why I like Sheridan. Always have. A lot of these bigwigs, eh, they're only worried about protecting their own skin. Sheridan. He's down in the trenches with everybody else. He is that. You know, one day I was working Gray Sector and he came running after this guy that stabbed Delenn. You could see it in his eyes. He was ready to kill this guy. Anybody else would have just let security take care of it. But Sheridan chased him down and put him down so hard, the guy didn't get up for three days. They both agree that Sheridan is a good man. And Bo asks, wasn't he dead once? Oh, you've seen him and Delenn together, right? Huh? Now that's true love, my friend. You don't see that very often. Very true. He's a good man. Yep, good man. I heard he was dead once. Yeah, well, nobody's perfect, Bo. I like that reference to... It's an earlier episode, and I couldn't remember which one it was. 
when um, Delaney does get stabbed and, and Sheridan's after the guy. And I couldn't remember what, you know, what, the, the scene. I thought, I really want to go back and see it, see if, if Bo could have been inserted anywhere in there. Yes. I thought of that too, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not going back to which all these No, things. no, it would have been. It, it, I mean, I know uh, you know JMS writes things in such a way that you know you see things later. Later on, you you think, hang on a minute, and you can go back and see the whole scene that he's just described in in a future episode. I would love for him to have put this in in such a way that when you go back, you see a guy in the background and think, oh my goodness, that is Bo right there. And you know, in season five, here we are with with his description of it. So. But, and of course, he's using one of those vacuum things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or he's looking at it going, I really don't know what this is. Neither of them know what the vacuum cleaner-like device does. And after a short discussion as to what, uh, what it does, they go for lunch. Hey, Mac, can I ask you a question? Shoot. What the hell are these things for? What do you mean? I mean, what do they do? Well, what do you mean, what do they do? Run them along the floor like this. Okay, so what does it do? It's not any cleaner. I don't know. Maybe it looks for cracks or it does something to the metal, makes it stronger. I don't know. So you don't know what it does either? No. Well, guess it's time for lunch. Yep. Bo is eating a salami sandwich, which is hard to get on Babylon 5, while Mac is eating a spoo sandwich. What you got there? Hard salami. Hey, hey, hey. Hard salami? How the hell did you get hard salami up here? I know a guy. Yeah, well, well, introduce me sometime, okay? I'm a little tired of the same old, same old. I'm a little desperate here. I can tell. What is that stuff? Well, it's this spoo everybody's talking about. All the Centauri love it. Ten credits an ounce, if you can believe that. What's it taste like? It's hard to say, Bo. Um, kind of, um, spooish, I guess. No, you're supposed to say chicken. Huh? That's the joke. Whenever you eat something strange and someone asks, what's it taste like? You're supposed to say chicken. It's funny that way. It doesn't taste like chicken. Okay. <laughs> okay, never mind. They swap sandwiches so that Bo can have a taste of the spoo. One half? Trade you for the hot salami. I don't know. Ah, come on, Bo, be a guy. Oh, man. This stuff is awful. At 10 credits an ounce, if you can believe that. The Centauri love it? Oh, they go nuts for it. Man, no wonder their hair stands straight up. All sectors, enemy scout ship is on vector to jump gate. Now entering full red alert. Maintenance, we need someone in med lab and observation dome ASAP. How's the salami? Tastes like chicken. This, this whole thing was awesome. It was great, wasn't it? I mean, it's just... Brilliant. You're supposed to say it tastes like chicken. He says, why? Because it's funnier that way. Especially when he almost <laughs> says it later and he says, don't even bother. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> but yeah, it was... Um, I, I, I love that bet. He says, no wonder the, the Centauri's hair stands on end. <laughs> Is that speciesist? Could be. Franklin is clearing out med lab to make room for pre for predicted incoming wounded. When Mac turns up to fix some of the equipment, Franklin is explaining to one of his med techs what they need to do to prepare the equipment for the incoming alien wounded. When Bo asks him why. Why what? Nothing. I didn't mean... No, 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 no. Go ahead. What were you saying? It's just that why bother? Whoever they are, whatever they are, 
They're coming here to kill us. If I see one of them flopping on the deck gasping for air, I'm gonna let him buy it. Well, that's your choice. I don't agree. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Franklin says he was not always going to be a doctor. You know, some days I wonder the same thing. Right? Sometimes it's like no one else is playing by the rules, so why should we, right? It does take it out of you after a while, believe me. Even so. Now, see, the thing is, I wasn't always going to be a doctor. See, my father is career military, just like his dad and his dad before him. So it was just understood that I would go the same way. I even bought into it myself. And then one day, I... His father was the first officer on the Aris. You remember what happened to the Aris? Yeah, yeah, that was right before the Dilger War. We got caught in the middle of a civil war between two mid-range colonies. Aris was shot down and captured by enemy forces. My father was first officer on the Aris. And when that ship went down, we were told that there wasn't much chance anybody would survive or that any survivors would be allowed to live by the enemy. It took almost two months for our forces to retake that base. Stephen's father was one of the survivors. I remember watching ISN when they opened up the enemy base and three injured soldiers came out. One of them was my father. The base doctor had kept them alive over the objections of the CO because he believed that life was sacred and had to be preserved. When I saw him walk out, supported by the doctor, I knew right then that's what I wanted to do with my life. Of course, my father, he wasn't too happy about it, but he always said we had to go our own way. So I did. So Stephen always looks out for people to save. So when this is all over, I'll be out there looking for anybody I can save on our side or theirs, because that's what I do. That's what I would want them to do for me. More for you. So I uh, need those atmospherics back online? You have it. Hey, Doc. Yeah. So what happened to the doctor that helped your dad? Shot and killed by his own men. He said he was a traitor. Mac arrives at the CNC to fix one of the secondary defense system panels. There are three scout vessels ahead of the main assault group coming through the jump gate, and the battle commences. The primary defense grid opens fire, and ships are being lost on both sides. One of the enemy ships is scanning Babylon 5 to try and get the defense codes. Lockley orders the codes to be scrambled, but the ship is running, is running and is out of range of fighters, and the secondary defense system is still offline. Just then, Mac finds out what the problem has been on the panel and gets the secondary systems back online just in time for the ship that has been scan scanning them to be disabled. The panel has been infected by cockroaches, getting into the system and eating the wiring. But that attack was just the beginning of things to come and Lockley goes to consult with Mr Garibaldi. Mac meets up with Bo and he asks him whether he met the new captain yet. Mac said yes, and she is tough and smart, and would like her in his corner in a fight. Bo says that the rumour has it that Lockley was on the wrong end of the fight against Earth. Mac says that he should not listen to rumours, like the ones about Ivanova leaving because she was heartbroken over the death of Marcus. 
or that she quit because she wasn't getting paid enough and wanted a promotion. They take the elevator down to Brown 9, and are joined halfway by Garibaldi and Lockley, having an argument over the intelligence that Garibaldi provided about the aliens, and their ability to download security codes. Oh, damn it, Captain. Blue 7, I need all the information. How the hell was I supposed to know that they could download our tactical You're system? You're supposed to be head of covert intelligence. Well, right now, I am not seeing a hell of a lot of intelligence, covert, overt, or otherwise. The game didn't say anything about that part. When his people got hit, they... Did you ask him? I didn't ask him if they could scan us. I also didn't ask him if they could wax the hull or deliver pizza. Now, some of the questions I think about and some I don't. You can't think of every possible question. That's the nature of your job, Mr. Garibaldi. If you can't handle it, I'll tell President Sheridan to find someone who can. Meanwhile, I suggest you go back to the game and think up all those questions you didn't think up before. Because we have an assault fleet on the way here, mister. And I'd like to have at least a fighting chance of surviving the next 12 hours. Trust me, the odds on that are pretty damn small right about now. Mac and Bo make it to Brown 9 and are looking at a problem with the ventilation system. It looks like a coolant, like coolant seepage from the water processing system. Mac asks Bo, with an alien fleet coming through the jump gate, why not just switch off the jump gate? Bo replies that you can't just shut it down as it takes four to five days to start up and two days to shut down. And besides, you don't want to close down your only route of escape. As they finish this job, they get a call to go down to the sanctuary to prep it for for a religious ceremony, just as a message from Lockley comes over the co communication system. We are strongly urging all residents to stay in your quarters until the current crisis has passed. The first wing of the attack is coming through. I repeat, the first wing is coming through. In the sanctuary, uh, Mac and Bo have finished the job of prepping for the ceremony and are about to have a break. Outside, the battle has commenced, and it looks like a fireworks display. All they can say is that all they can see is the lights and the colour. The colours indicate different ships exploding. The red ships are one of ours. The green ship is one of theirs. The atmosphere inside the friendly ships is filled with oxygen, so when they explode, they turn red. In the alien ships, the atmosphere must be something like carbon monoxide, as when they explode, they turn green. Just then, a white star comes through the jump gate, and Max says that that ship looks like it just looks like a plucked chicken just as a boarding pod attaches itself to the hull. He's got a point. Those white stars do look like plucked chickens. Yeah, totally they do. They enter the elevator, but unfortunately halfway to the destination, it stops. So they attempt to open the doors using a manual override. As the doors open, an invader falls in, uh, and the battle between the invaders and the defending forces is happening right in front of the two maintenance techs. Laser beams fly, fists fly, Bo punches one of the invaders and Mac shoots another, only for Zach Allen to realise that they are there and tells them to leave, while they lay down some covering fire. As they escape, they bump into Byron and his telepaths, who tell them that they are safe and they can stay with them. Byron starts quoting Shakespeare. Fellow of infinite jest. I knew him, Horatio. It's uh, Mac, actually. This is Bo. You know this guy? After the fact. He was killed just outside that door. His helmet rolled in here and stopped just where you're sitting. At the moment of death, there is a passing of energy. Oh, Shakespeare, we had some of it last week. An explosion of consciousness. It permeates everything in close proximity. Your clothes, jewellery, anything. We can still feel him what he was, what he did, his hopes, 
and fears and expectations. It's still there for a few minutes. Then it will disappear, joining him in silence. Bo realizes that these are the telepaths that Sheridan has allowed to live down here. Just then, an invader looks into the shelter, and the telepaths project an image into his mind, and he walks away. Bo says he wishes he was outside fighting with the pilots, defending the station. Byron asks him if he means it sincerely, to which Bo replies yes. So he projects an image into his mind of what it would be like to be fighting in a Star Fury. This gives Bo an insight into what is going on outside. Lando Malari is not happy, as usual. Absolutely intolerable, completely inexcusable. You would think we would be beyond this sort of thing by now, wouldn't you? And whose idea was it to send the White Stars away at a time like this? They are still returning from guarding the Enfili homeworld, Malari, as you well know. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the universe. He's moaning about the universe hating him. The universe? The universe hates me, you know. I don't know why. I have never done anything to the universe to, uh... Well, all right, a few things, but after a while you would think it would be enough. Yes, we have had our, our little fun with Lando Molari for now. Perhaps it is time to move on and find someone else to play with. Shikar reminds Lando that the Nards have been in this situation twice before at the hands of the Centauri. You seem rather calm about all of this, hmm? When I was a child, your people decided that the rebellion by my people needed to be discouraged. So your people bombed seven of our major cities for six straight days, 31 hours a day. You thought you could bomb us into submission. It didn't work then, and it didn't work later. We spent our days in shelters we made ourselves. We sang songs. We prayed. We ate. We slept. Shikar asks Malari where he came from. I spent my life in one such shelter or another. I will tell you the truth, Molari. This is probably the closest thing I have to a home. And where did you grow up, Molari? What? Was a simple enough question. While I was sitting in a bomb shelter, learning to hate your people, where were you spending your time as a child? Playing in the Imperial Gardens, learning Centauri table manners? I was... Never a child. Shikar says, that explains a great deal. I have responsibilities. I have had responsibilities for as long as I can remember. Duty, honor, family. That explains a great deal. Really? And what exactly does it explain, Shikar? I spent my years in one shelter after another, but sooner or later, I was able to leave the shelter and walk out into the daylight. You do not have that luxury. You carry your shelter with you every day. You did not grow up. You grew old. They decide to go and have a look to see what is happening. Mac and Bo have overheard the whole exchange. I think I will see how things are going out there. I'll go too. Good idea. What, are you afraid I won't come back, Shikhan? No, afraid you will. So, how long you figure they've been married? Attention all personnel. The second wave is coming through the gate. Repeat, the second wave is coming through. More ships arrive, more shots are fired. I thought we'd finish with all the shooting and the walls and things, but here we go again with another one. 
This looks like one of the worst attacks on Babylon 5 in its four-year history. Bo and Mac are called to Red One, where there are fires raging through the floors. Sheridan is trying to get Delenn to enter an escape pod. He asks Mac and Bo to take Delenn to the life pod, as all of the security personnel are busy fighting off the invading forces. Delenn reluctantly agrees to go with them. She asks their names, and they introduce themselves, and say that they are floaters. Oh, heard better descriptions. She says they are a worker cast, and they agree. She asks what would happen if the life pod was ejected and accidentally damaged from the inside shortly after. If I'm launched in a life pod, and let us say shortly after the launch, the equipment is accidentally smashed from the inside, what would happen to the pod? It'd crash into Epsilon 3. Or explode. It could explode. Possible. Wouldn't be good either way, man. I see. Understand that while I'm not a prophet, I can tell you that if I were going to be sent away in a life pod and forced to watch everything I love and have fought for die before my eyes without even a chance to keep it together, the life pod would suffer just such a terrible accident. She manages to convince Mac and Bo not to put her into the life pod. Now, time being circular, if we know that this will happen, then we may as well assume that it has happened already and that the life pod is not safe for me to enter. The president is right, ma'am. It's not safe here for either one of you. I know, but it's home for both of us. Ma'am, you two really do love each other, don't you? Mac says he understands Sheridan a lot better and will climb through solid, a solid rock wall just to see that smile again. Hey, did you see that smile? I mean, it was like the sun coming out from behind a cloud. I did indeed. Suddenly, I think I understand Sheridan a lot better. How so? Well, dead or alive, I'd claw my way out of hell and straight through ten miles of solid rock to see that smile again. As they look out of one of the portholes, they see that the cavalry has arrived as the White Star Fleet returns. There are jump gates uh, opening left, right and centre, and up and down as well. There's a lot of green explosions. Max says they look like angels swooping down out of the sky. Bo says, I thought you said they look like pl plucked chickens. Max says there is so much going on right now. And Bo says if Jakar, Londo, Sheridan and Delenn can handle the stress of the situation, so can he. Max says that his mother told him that God would only give you enough to deal with that will fit on the width of your shoulders. Bo says to get by on Babylon 5, you need to grow bigger shoulders. And they get back to work. While the, place fall, while the piece falls outside. Babylon 5 is a mess inside and out, and all of the mess has to be picked up and taken away. Max says the high-ups do the shooting and the fighting, and they have to clear up all the mess. As they walk past Med Lab, there are bodies lined up all over the place. Max says we don't have to deal with all of the mess, as Franklin checks out the bodies under a sign that says, Welcome to Babylon 5. I thought that was an, a, an amazing image that all these, what I assume would be dead bodies, and Franklin's just going from one to the other, checking them out, and then the camera just pans around with this big illuminated sign that says "Welcome to Babylon 5. Uh, that's just it, it's sort of you know a powerful scene in like a, a light-hearted episode. Uh, it really gives you something to think about. Welcome to Babylon Five. You're you're dead, so you can't really enjoy it, but uh, at least you made it. Yes. Yeah, you think it's a place that you want to be, and yeah, you know, everybody comes for sanctuary, and you end up dead. 
Corwin is updating Captain Lockley. It looks like they have managed to get rid of all of the alien invasion and no one got away. Mac interrupts the new captain and says she is okay in his book. So, anything new from the hyperspace probes? Nothing. It looks like we got them all. Not even one of them made it out to report back on our weaknesses or situation. Good. Mission accomplished. They'll move on to the next target. Let's just hope it doesn't have anything to do with us. Or anybody else in this sector. Roger that. Captain, uh, Captain Lockley? Yes? Uh, well, Captain, uh, <clears throat> I know you're new here and all, and uh, I just wanted to say you're okay in my book, ma'am. Thank you. Sheridan and Delenn are walking through corridors of Babylon 5, and she says hello to Mac and Beau as they pass. Hello, Mac. Bo. Bo? Yeah? She remembered my name. Our names. I think I'm in love. She's married. Yeah, we can work something out. Will you come on? Yeah. So lunch? Sure, I'll treat. How about some spoon? At 15 credits an hour credit. After all these centuries, we're still using imperial measures? An ounce? I mean, come on, guys. It's got to be a, a gram or kilograms or... So, yeah, I, I thought it was uh, it, it was excellent that they showed that the Len uh, re- remembered the Lower Deckers' names. And you know what else uh, you won't forget? You won't forget this promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. You should get a job doing these for, for TV commercials. <laughs> I should, I should. Have a quick word with Jarman. Get a get a voiceover you know, thing going, and yeah. yeah there you go. Ask yourself: Is the Flopcast the right podcast for you? Do you have trouble picking a favorite Weird Al song, Karate Kid sequel, or Justice League Detroit member? Are you obsessed with Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch, Vicky the Captain's daughter from the Love Boat, or Vicky the robot from Small Wonder? Do you think Cindy Lauper's "We Are the World" solo is the most important event in history? Do you have half an hour a week for something completely stupid. Then the Flopcast might be the right podcast for you. We're on the ESO network and at flopcast.net. Okay, welcome back and we move on to the trivia. Max's comment about the White Star ships looking like plucked chickens was actually executive producer J. Michael Straczynski's first reaction when he saw the ships. JMS has always been less than pleased with the White Star's finished design. Mm, I wonder if we'll get new style White Stars in the reboot. I bet. Mm. I've always liked the design. I don't know why he wouldn't like it. Strange. Probably not mechanical enough. It's you know like the, all of the Earth mm-hmm. ships are very angular and spinny and all this, and of course the White Stars are a bit more organic. So, Malari's statement that he was never a child correctly reflects his backstory. His father died when he was very young, and Malari had to become the head of the family at an early age. Harlan Ellison was working on something and suggested uh, that Michael J. Straczynski has suggested something that Michael J. Straczynski then based the episode. Yeah, that one. (laughs) JMS. I'll just use JMS. 
Harlan Ellison was working on something and suggested something that JMS then based the episode on. So they shared the, the story credit. According to JMS, a view from the gallery all came out of my keyboard in one day between 4pm and 3am. At the beginning of the story, Spoo is 10 credits an ounce, and at the end, it's 15 credits, indicating that Spoo is in such high demand that the price fluctuates wildly. Or the fact that the writer's got it wrong. The Narn Day, apparently, is 31 hours long. I don't know where they get that from, but there you go. So, Sean, are there any Star Trek connections? Once again, much like the last few weeks, there is nothing. I hate it when we look for Star Trek connections and you don't find any. Because you yeah, still spent the same amount of time looking as you would if there was something there, but you could exactly nothing right. from it. But I didn't have to write anything down, so it was a bit quicker this time. That's true. Okay, let's move on to our ratings. Uh, the rating system we use is out of five for Babylon 5, uh, Jump Gates. So um, for this episode, IMDb have given it a 7.7 .7 out of 10. Uh, not as high as I would have expected, but... Um, that makes it 3.85 in our books. Sean, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was a lot better than what uh, IMDb has to say about it. Uh, it, it was just a, a fun episode. It, it's not perfect because it made me want to know more about what the heck was happening with these aliens. Who were they? What did they want? What was going on? All that kind of stuff. Uh, and looking at uh, Lockley in this episode, I finally figured out who she reminds me of. She reminds me of a cross between Mariah, uh, Maria Shriver and Kathy Ireland. Neither of which I know. Okay, Maria Shriver uh, was Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife, ah. and, and Kathy Ireland was a supermodel in the 80s and 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dan. I will have I to see. Look yeah, up. I can see that. It's yeah. A, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I yeah. mean, she she's always going to be uh, Kat from the uh, New Adventures of Superman for me, but yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so overall, I would say this episode deserves a 4.5. Ooh, very good. Ooh, that puts it into your top 10. I'm not surprised. I really enjoyed this Lower Deck episode. Mm. Dan, what did you think of this episode? I love Rosecrans and Gilston. I love this this type of thing. You you take people who aren't in the main story and you sort of show it through their eyes and, you know, comedic effect, but it allows you to deliver those really big punches at the end of the Welcome to Babylon 5 scene, the earlier thing with Stephen talking about why he's a doctor and that story, which all fits with everything we've seen before with his uh, relationship with his dad to the reason why he did it, his beliefs and everything like that. And it gives you some really nice moments like uh, with uh, Malari and uh, with Jakar when, you know, he turns around at the very end of the scene and says, I wonder how long they've been married. It, it just loads of different little quotes that you get out of it as well. Um, I really enjoyed it. The, the downside is we don't get to know these aliens and I don't know whether they come back. Is this a thing? Are they setting it up? No. Oh. No, this so is just a one-off. One-off. Okay. There we go. Yeah, I mean, if it had been because we already had the knock on effect of why the star, uh, the white stars were gone is because last week they had to go and uh, sort out last week's problem. So that's why they're not back in time. You know, it would have been good that this was like a fallout from that episode, that these aliens were actually the ones supplying the Drazi. And these ones were always waiting to get Babylon 5, you know, uh, at least less well defended so that they could try and actually take it. Um, so, you know, it, 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 I think I wanted more so that it fed into everything. Because the only thing that this episode lets me down on is that it takes us out of the main story because we are focusing for comedic effect, which really worked, but we are focusing on smaller characters. 
Um, so it's not going to be a perfect. I'm going to go for a, a nice solid four out of five. Okay. Um, I'm a little bit more with Sean on this than I am with Dan. Um, so, uh, yes, I, I'm hoping that this isn't going to way. This, this isn't going to be the way of the whole season that we have some pretty you know hard episodes. You know, really tough episodes that we you know that we get through because um, you know it's serious stuff. What's happening? And then we get the comedic one just as a bit of light relief. And then we move back on to some harder stuff again. Um, I would like to see a bit more humor in, uh, as though it has been through the whole run of Babylon 5. Um, a little bit more comedic moments. I'm not talking about, you know, ha, 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 big laugh, gut buster things. Just even just little one liners, little comments here, just to lighten the mood a little bit. Otherwise, it's going to get very dry very quickly. Um, but I do like this episode. I would. I wish it would get into my top ten. But in order to do that, I'm going to have to give it a hefty rating, which I can't do. I just. I don't feel as though it's. It's. You know. It's not a. We're not getting into the. Um, you know. The higher than four point fives. I don't think. Um, it, it. It. That. That would really be a quite a high mark. Um, but four point five. Absolutely. Um, it's. It's up there. It sits nicely in the top twenty should we say, or even top 15, but it just sits outside the top 10 for me. I do like the comedy moments. I, um, there's going to be a lot of clips in this because I always put a lot more clips into episodes I like. Um, and again, this it wasn't ha-ha-ha. There were just very funny scenes with the you know the sandwich and the spoo. And, um, yeah, I just, I just liked it. And I like seeing a, a story unfolding, which is obviously a bigger story than we actually see with these aliens coming through and everything being fought off. But we get to see the behind-the-scenes stuff because we're with the guys who are fixing things. Yes, you do often see um, people on starships, you know, as they're saying, uh, you know, oh, the primary systems have gone down. You know, okay, switch to secondary systems. And they go, oh no, the secondary systems have gone as well. Okay, they're back up again, but you don't see the guys who are fixing it. And in this episode, exactly. we do. So, it, it, and it's always just in time as well. And you see the just in time guy doing it. You know, so yeah, I liked it. I liked. I liked them. Um, Every single scene was really good, and you know, the, trying to get Delenn off the ship, and Delenn sneak, you know, goes away, and then says, "Look, guys, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to do this." Uh, you know, and she befriends them, and they, they're just like, "Oh my god, she's gorgeous. We'll do anything for her." So, uh, yeah, of course, they're gonna, you know, gonna help her out there. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's a good episode. It's really good. Um, so yeah, I'll give it a four point five. So, before we finish this episode, guys, do we know why this episode that we are recording today is a special episode? Because it tastes like chicken? Um, yes. It actually tastes more like spoo, to be fair. Um, this is our 100th episode. Fantastic. That we are recording. Look at us. And, and I have never done a podcast which has run for 100 episodes before. You know, Sequentially, every week. And been part of it. Um, we we haven't we haven't missed a week. We've we've done it all uh, together. I don't think there's been a recording where there's just the two of us. I think we've always had the three of us. I believe so. So uh, yeah, it's a bit of a landmark that one. I mean, we've we've done uh, Cosmic Pizza. We've done about 76, 77 episodes of that. Um, the Sci-Fi Waffle that me and Sean did was forty-two episodes. Um, I was in Ten Forward for a while, and that I was in in and out of that for a large number of them. But I don't think I ever got anywhere near 100 episodes i'd have to go back and check so it's this is quite a run and we've still got another few to go yet uh, to get to the end of this episode 
as get into this season, and then possibly we will see how we feel whether we go into Crusade, and, and that could take us off to like movies. Uh, yes, that's right, the movies as well. Um, so yeah, we could with a couple of reviews thrown in there, we could get up to about 140 episodes. So we're still a long way from finishing, but um, yeah, 100 episodes, guys. That's a that's oh. excellent. Congratulations yeah. to us. Yes, well, yes. Yeah. Like the cake, like the candles on the cake. Stepping yes. us on the back. There we go. Good. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> okay. So thank you to anybody who stayed with us for the whole 100, which um, I don't think there'll be too many, but hopefully um, there, there are some out there that have done that. Um, I think some of Sean's friends may well have uh, kept going. I think Rene is one of them. He's um, he's always liked the, uh, the posts as we put them out. So um, if if he's doing nothing and not, not if he's not listening to them and just saying likes, that's fine. <laughs> I don't. But, I don't know. Uh, he I think hasn't he's mentioned been, anything. Uh, yeah, I think I think he's still listening. But yeah, so that's uh, that's good. If anybody else is out there, give us a shout. Give us a um, uh, a little message on the Facebook page if you can, just to say that you have joined us for 100 episodes. Okay, so join us again next week when we will be discussing season five, episode five, learning curve. If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three, spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. Now, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.